Airline ultimatum. Washington tells carriers to support customers or face consequences. So we talked about travel today. What are your rights as a customer? Could we see something similar coming to Canada? And speaking of what could be coming to Canada, the Globe and Mail says cheaper air travel could be coming this fall. We got a heads up on Friday that we could expect some disruptions in ERs. We checked in with the Manitoba Nurses Union to get the what's what on that. Jim Toth joined us to talk weekend sports and unbelievable finish at the World Juniors. Got a debrief on the Manitoba Open. It was, by all accounts, a smashing success. And is Greg putting his dog down? Had a fun time talking about text misunderstandings. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. She's in on Connecting Winnipeg this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, August 22nd podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry back at 201 Portage. I'm in the main studio, Greg down the hall in his studio after getting to actually work across the table from each other at the Manitoba Open. I'm looking in the camera. Can you see me, Brett? Yes, I can see Hi. you. <laughs> yeah, it was great to be out at Southwood uh, for for a couple of shows last week and uh, lots of feedback on those programs, by the way, over the weekend, Brett. Uh, it's funny how people feel our pain when it comes to not being in the same studio and, and people uh, could sense our joy of being together last week. And of course, just the added excitement. I know Thursday we were rained out, but the excitement of Friday and the Manitoba Open, I think really came through on the broadcast Friday morning and everything that was going on there. And hopefully it resulted in some uh, larger galleries uh, for the folks at Southwood. Yeah, we had a fun time. We hung out for a little bit after our show on Friday. We watched some of the guys tee off and then we wandered down to the Castle Mortgage Party Zone, the 17th hole, which was a 180-yard par three over some water. So they had set up... If you're familiar at all with the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the what is it, the 16th hole? That's right. 16th hole has, uh, how many people, is it like 15,000 in those grandstands? I think that's correct. Yeah, so it's it's not at all what you are used to seeing at a golf course. It's very much a raucous party. If guys hit a hole-in-one, beers rain down from the stands. So they wanted to create kind of a miniature version of that, a little test run. They set up, I don't know, seven or eight banks of three-row bleachers, uh, to form this little amphitheater uh, around the green. And there was a DJ playing music, and there was a beer garden. Well, not a beer garden. It was a beer counter and whatever. And they would actually reduce the price of beer if one of the golfers drained a birdie, uh, which means he got the ball in the hole in fewer strokes than in, a, in fewer than three strokes and uh, two strokes. And um, we went and checked it out for a couple of, you know, a couple of groups came through, and it was just... It was a neat event, and we were there 12.30 on Friday, and crowds were already starting to pile in, so I'd be, I'm curious to know just how many people showed up over the weekend. Yeah, I think they had uh, room for about 350 spectators at that hole alone, and uh, yeah, so it was great to be out in the community, great to uh, be able to meet face-to-face with some folks that we hadn't seen in a while, made some new friends Thursday and Friday as well. So we'll find out how things wound up at Southwood. Apparently, Mark Scheifele had a heck of a round. Was it his first round? I think he shot a 78. Oh, very good. Well, like, can, can you imagine, Brett, shooting a 78 on something other than a miniature golf course? <laughs> 78 maybe on the front nine. <laughs> 
at Southwood Golf and Country yes. Club. And and like, okay, uh, I get that he's a pro athlete, but like, can he's already awesome at hockey? Yeah, can you dial it back, buddy? <laughs> he's also got to be awesome at golf. Uh, to be that gifted and talented. So we'll learn more about that at 737, just how it turned out over the weekend. And I should also just point out that, you know, with Greg being down the hall in his studio, we're in that that weird... Summer's weird, man, because we're wearing T-shirts and shorts, and yet we have to still bring stuff to work as though it's winter, because apparently it feels like it's winter in your studio. Yeah, you were, somebody mentioned something about chilling out, and I said, I'm having no problem down here in this studio, because the, the temperature is a little off. I noticed that at 4.30, things kick right in, and I think there's some sort of control for the main, for the entire building, that the ductwork for this room seems to be attached to. And I, there's very little control over the temperance here. So I'm at the mercy of, uh, of, of the gods of 201 Portage as to what sort of atmospheric conditions I'm going to be dealing with, Brett. So and, and it wasn't tomorrow I'm bringing mitts. It wasn't that long ago where that room was too hot. Yeah. Well, but now it's too cold. Here we are. <laughs> Do you want to borrow my sweater? I bring a hoodie just for that express reason in case it gets in case I get too cold from the I air conditioning. I may have to take you up on that. Like I whenever I went to a movie on Saturday, I went to see Bullet Train finally. By the way, uh fun movie but a huge mess. So the negative reviews that it's received, I'm I'm I think I'm on board with that. But I went to a movie and I always bring a sweater just in case. Turns out I didn't need it, but I've sat in some movie theaters in the summer where I regretted wearing sandals, regretted wearing a t-shirt. I'm like, got my, you know, where you, you pull your arms up into the sleeve of your sure. t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. That wasn't the case yesterday outside though. It, it was hot yesterday. Yeah. It was. Really a beautiful weekend, wasn't it? For, it was a fabulous weekend. Friday was a great day for the Manitoba Open. Saturday, I went out to, to golf at La Brokery. And we got out at eight thirty, so it was. We still had that kind of morning dew, so it was very just barely a cloud in the sky, barely a breath of wind. And uh, then yesterday, also another sunny and hot day, and I, it was quite hot. You're right because yesterday I was trying to motivate myself to get up and go for a walk, and I check, I crack open my email, and it says your password will expire in one day. Take evasive action now, or you will be locked out. So I had to walk to work. I'm like, okay, I guess I know where I'm going for a walk. I got to go to work and update my password. Otherwise, when I get to work tomorrow, I won't be able to do anything. What a disaster that would have been. <laughs> it's happened to me before. Has it really? And at 4 it's at 4 a.m., it's tough because you got to... You got to call some help desk and it's, uh, wait for them to, to grant you permission, to yes. grant you access back into the system. I'm so. sure they're thrilled to hear from you at that hour, even though they're on duty. You know, great way to start a week, five o'clock in the morning down in Toronto. People want to be helping you. Uh, didn't you get like nine warnings to change your password? Yes. Yes, I did. Yep. I, I still failed to do it. <laughs> I, even at, Well, here's the thing. I had a, uh, I always leave myself little notes on my computer and one of them was change password. But that's a thing that I tend to kick. I tend to kick that can down the road. So I think on Monday, last Monday, when I put that note in, I probably figured, ah, I'll do it Thursday, Friday, forgetting that mm-hmm. we were going to be on location on Thursday, Friday. So we, when we got to work on Thursday and Friday, we came in to the studio first, but it was a mad scramble to make sure we had everything ready so that we could then hit the road at 5 o'clock to get down to Southwood for 5.30. So I just forgot. 
things happen. Uh, uh, you know what we can't forget today? We have a bunch of stuff to give away today and all week. Like it's there's some solid winning taking place on this program this week. Winning bomber tickets. We have tickets for Thursday's game, Bombers versus Calgary at IG Field. So we're going to do that uh, just after 8.35 when we speak to Jim Toth about some incredible stuff that happened in sports over the weekend. We also have a four-pack of tickets for Gulliver Returns at Landmark Cinemas. We're going to do that sooner than later. Wait for your cue to call. And the big one... WWE Friday Night Smackdown. We got tickets for the event happening at Canada Life Center at, on September 30th. We'll pick our winner at 9.15 and at 6.45 we're going to tell you how you can win those tickets. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is in for Connecting Winnipeg today. In our next segment, we are going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets for WWE Friday Night Smackdown. September 30th at uh, Canada Life Centre. Also, um, we have tickets to give away. I said we'd do it sooner than later. So we will have tickets to give away for Gulliver Returns. Four-pack of uh, tickets and treats at Landmark Cinemas. uh, Sooner than later. That's all I can really tell you there. And we're going to tell you what is happening in the States as it pertains to airlines down there and what the government is saying. It's time to put up or shut up, so to speak. But before that last half hour, we were talking about this uh, panic buying situation as it pertains to children's cold, pain, and fever medication, not just in Manitoba, but across the country. Yes, and one of our listeners weighed in here, Brett, uh, saying, good morning, I have a nephew that's a pharmacist, and he hasn't been able to get children's Tylenol for months. This along with many other uh, heart medicine and cholesterol pills as well. So if you have some insight into what's going on and, and some other challenges within pharmaceuticals, over-the-counter drugs, we would love to hear from you. If you're able to share that information with us, do so, 204-780-6868. And our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. This question went up yesterday or Friday afternoon. Hackers may have exploited security flaws in Apple devices to control them. How protected do you feel against cyber attacks? Uh, just under 23% said very, always updating software and technology. 39% said sort of, I do what I can, but maybe I'm still vulnerable. And 38% said not really, no clue what to do. So you can still cast your vote on that question at cjob.com, but we'll get a new question up for you soon. U.S. officials have dealt airlines an ultimatum amid continued airport chaos. Improve your customer service policies where the government will take action. Jeez, I'd like to applaud this. Uh, finally, somebody laying down uh, some rules here. As Global's Jennifer Johnson reports, Washington says it's ready to adopt new regulations if companies don't step up to support stranded and delayed travelers. From January till July of this year, over 120,000 U.S. flights have been canceled. Millions more have been delayed, and travelers are fed up. I really feel sorry for everybody that's traveling right now. Definitely challenging to fly right now. 
Now the nation's airlines have been given an ultimatum from the U.S. Transportation Department. Improve customer service or the government will impose new passenger rights. One proposal could go into effect by the end of the year. But the most pressing one is the one issued as a proposed rule by the U.S. Department of Transportation, which requires airlines to refund money if they just delay your flight by more than three hours or if they change your arrival or departure city. That's a big departure from previous rules. The Transportation Secretary has sent a letter to all the airlines saying the level of disruption Americans have experienced this summer is unacceptable. American taxpayers paid billions to help the airlines stay afloat during the pandemic. Now government officials want airlines to spell out their policies before passengers buy a ticket. The message to the airlines is that you've got to make it easier for passengers to understand their rights and you've got to support passengers when they experience delays. That includes paying for a hotel if a passenger has to wait overnight. The airlines blame turbulent summer weather and air traffic control issues for the bulk of the problems. But most experts say the airlines are still booking millions of flights without enough pilots to fly them. The airlines continue to be understaffed. They continue to be overscheduled. The airlines may be motivated to act quickly. A bill in Congress has just been introduced that would require airlines to issue an immediate refund if they cancel a flight for any reason. With Labor Day weekend, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, changes can't come soon enough for frustrated travelers. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Yeah, so here's a situation, Brett, where the airlines are still welcoming guests with the reduced capacity to serve them. And those guests that get left in a lurch are dramatically unaware of what their options are and what their rights are. This is something that we've been hearing in Canada for years and years. Gabor Lukash, who was at the University of Manitoba for years, the uh, the consumer rights, the traveler right advocate who says, you know, th these things need to be planed out, uh, spelled out rather in plain language so people understand. If this happens, I'm entitled to that. If that happens, I'm entitled to this. And it remains sort of this mystery and there are games that are played by airlines and, and this just has to stop because this is a big deal. You save, some people save for years for a vacation. You lose a day at the beginning or a, and a day behind, after or some combination of delay. You don't have your luggage. I think this is, this is a big deal for folks. And I know that, uh, I don't know how things are now, but in years past, I know people who have had issues with um, a big airline in Canada. And it sounds like the customer service was essentially a black hole, as in it was almost designed for you to just kind of throw your hands up and say, forget it. I'm just going to walk away from this and eat that cost or not file that complaint. Because uh, if you call the call center, you know, you, to speak to a reservations agent, they can't, they're not, they're not set up to help you with that. They will put you, point you in another direction. At least that's how it used to be. Don't know how it is now, but you can let us know if your experience has gotten better or worse. And you know what this kind of reminds me of? It's sort of, I mean, this is, this is, I'm, I'm, this is very much an apples and oranges situation, but it's like when you, in the before times, when you go to a doctor's office, your appointment's at noon, say, but you sit there till one, two o'clock in a, in a packed room because they, I don't know if they overbook it or whatever to, because to, to make up for people who cancel. Like I remember going to the, this, and I'm going back like 25 years now, but I was sitting at a uh, doctor's office in Transcona uh, for like two hours. And there was another guy who was there before I got there and he gets up and he walks up to the counter and says, yeah, I'm just wondering any idea on what, uh, 
on how long I'm going to be waiting. And the woman behind the counter says, oh, well, uh, your doctor should be here soon. And he says, what? The doctor's not even here and I've been sitting here for two hours and now you're telling me this? So just to circle back to the airlines, that's kind of what it feels like when they're they're booking, they're they're scheduling all these flights and they just don't have the staff for it. What, fingers crossed it'll work out? Like that doesn't seem... Like a like a viable business plan. I would agree with you, Brett. And the whole idea of of planning for the worst and hoping for the best seems to be out the window. They seem to be hoping for the best and and planning for the best, which seldom works out. To, especially when you know there are going to be issues like weather and the other things that airlines that have been dealing with creating delays well before, as you call them, the before times, pre pandemic. And this has just all been magnified now and in. Just Jennifer Johnson's report, she points out that there was massive subsidy and money that went to the airlines to help them through the pandemic. And I guess it wasn't spelled out succinctly enough. The idea is that we're going to give you this money so that when the economy reopens, you can hit the ground running. And whatever programs you need to install and implement within your organization might be a good idea. I, I, I guess that was implied. I, I don't know. I'd like to learn more about the, what happened on that front. So Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in for connecting Winnipeg before we proceed with our group topic. Mr. Mackling, uh, traffic text at 204-780-6868. Yeah, I actually saw the emergency uh, vehicles heading down uh, Kimberly this morning on my way in. So this would explain it. Kimberly Avenue is closed to traffic between Watt Street and Goldsby. Uh, this is due to a traffic incident, maybe a serious incident. In fact, we're working uh, to gather more details for you. So Kimberly Avenue closed this morning between Watt and Goldsby. Up for grabs. Tickets for WWE Friday Night Smackdown at Canada Life Centre Friday, September 30th. This is a live televised event. It airs on Fox. And so this is a big deal for wrestling fans. It's a big deal for Winnipeg because Winnipeg often only gets what's called a house show on a weekend, which means it's just in-house. It's not televised, but so it, it doesn't come with all of the pyro and the big screen that you get on the, the massive production. Like, say what you will about re- pro wrestling, but they put on one of the biggest shows you'll ever see, and they do it every week, uh, twice a week, uh, WWE does. They've got Monday night and then Friday night. And they do this all year round. It's a huge production. It's awesome. And uh, even if you don't like wrestling, you might still enjoy the show. So this is a big prize, a great prize. And this has today's topic has to do with your doggy. Well, and a uh, uh, hashtag misconstrued <laughs> message and post that I put up on Instagram yesterday was sitting outside, Jackie and I, enjoying the absolutely beautiful morning. I was sipping on my tea. Uh, I've become addicted to Starbucks, the London Fog. Uh, a little fancy uh, Earl Grey tea. Anyway, but I digress. Uh, we have we have we have a whiskey has a, an arch enemy. 
that's a squirrel, and the squirrel has become very brave as opposed to just running back and forth on the fence. It's now running around the yard. Anyway, Whiskey jumped up on my lap, and he, he was seeming as though he was sort of cuddling with me, and that we were having a moment. Jackie took my picture, but you can tell in the picture that he's kind of like, can you, like, let me go? I want to get this squirrel. So I post saying, yes, Whiskey, I will put you down now. Well... <laughs> people direct messaging me, texting me and commenting on Instagram. So sorry to hear about whiskey. This is awful. I didn't put whiskey down in the dog sense of the terminology. I just put him down, let him down off my lap. So uh, whiskey is fine. He's alive. He's well. No worries there. So we're going to ask you at 204-780-6868. Do you have... Ever had like have you ever had a big or small misunderstanding from a text or an email or something that you put on social media where you just you thought it was clear what you were saying but someone took it to mean something completely different and did it create a problem like for example years back now I was dating somebody and and they had some concerns about their weight, and I didn't. But uh, they asked, like, what, what, what would happen if, you know, I gained weight? And I said, well, as long as you don't gain, like, 150 pounds or something, we're good. At least that's what I thought I texted, but I missed the five. So I just put 10 pounds. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm like, 10 pounds? You're going to dump me over 10 pounds? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I meant 150. Like, come on now. And I was just, I picked a, whatever. But, uh, and that, thankfully it became a joke, but I was reminded of that quite often uh, through our time together. So <laughs> you got to be careful. You got to make sure you don't miss uh, miss those digits. So let's go around the horn here and see what you guys got. Uh, Jeff, Braun, you got something for us? Well, when I first started dating Kim, I was always texting these just, you know, dry, just witheringly smart-alecky jokes that uh, weren't always landing. Because, you know, with texts, like you say, you can be misconstrued sometimes so easily. And I was forever having to explain my clever jokes to her, uh, which uh, was, you know, I bumped up against that a little bit. But then I was like, yeah, I could see how you could wouldn't understand it kind of thing or whatever just because of the nature of texting so very quickly uh we both adopted uh a lot of emoji use to uh, anytime i say anything that's supposed to be remotely sarcastic or whatever it comes with a, a, a laughing emoji after just to make it painfully clear that it is a joke and not to be taken seriously so we don't have those kind of misunderstandings and it's worked really well well you, you found yourself a system indeed it's yeah. funny how much of the message can get lost even though you you th you'd like to think that that person is is reading your text in your voice. Sometimes they just see the words and they're like, what what's happening here? Like without yeah, that. Yeah, and body. they're you know sometimes they've got three hundred other things on the go in their house and they aren't reading it that close to be. You know what I mean? So you never know what the conditions under which your texts are being read. And sometimes it's a simple typo. Like we had a listener text us. We were talking about yard work, and one of our listeners meant to type the word rake. But uh, the letter K was replaced with a P, and suddenly the entire context of that text message changed quite, changed quite dramatically. And so I, I replied back saying, hey, maybe, uh, maybe just have a look at that text you just sent us. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. So uh, sorry about that, Eve. But, um, yeah, so maybe it's just a simple misspelling that changes things dramatically. Like, Cam, have you, have you ever bumped into a situation like that where you, you meant to... Well 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm constantly making typos and stuff like that, and it's, and I'll, I'll have, I'll reread the text message, probably three or four times, and I won't even realize that I made an error. Like I'll read it five times over, and I won't even like I'm, I'm really bad for, um, uh, not putting, uh, like if I, if I'm abbreviating not at the end, like couldn't or wouldn't, I'll just forget the the n apostrophe t at the end of it and just like you said that completely changes exactly sure. what you're saying um and I, I don't know why it just like it just escapes my brain but it's like a constant thing for me and i'm constantly looking back and say what the heck like <laughs> I, I, I meant the complete opposite yeah where you, you ask yourself like how did i do that and why did i miss oh, that after constant. you proofread it 204-780-6868. We're asking you about texting pitfalls. You ever text one thing and typed another, or you ever typed something that you didn't think could mean anything else, but somebody took it to mean something entirely different? For a chance to win SmackDown tickets, what does Adam have to say? My biggest problem with texting is that my wife and I are in multiple group texts with friends, family, coworkers, etc. My wife, however, always shows up at the top of the list. Mm -mm. So when I'm trying to send her a personal message that shouldn't be meant for other people, it's gone to our babysitter, coworkers, and family. Sometimes I have a lot of explaining to do. (laughs) (laughs) Triple, quadruple check those recipients, Adam. Yeah, every so often that'll happen where I'll, I'll, I'll drop something into like my golf group chat that was meant for you and Loren. And it's like, oh, sorry, guys, wrong chat. I mean, that happens all the time where somebody will say, oh, sorry, wrong chat. Thankfully, nothing too incendiary, offensive, or perhaps intimate. But every so often, I'll get it. And I remember I got a text once from my buddy that was clearly meant for his wife. But again, it was very uh, vanilla. So uh, it wasn't nothing too embarrassing. Darn. But but 204-780-6868, tell us the story for a chance to win. SmackDown tickets will give them away at 9.15. Now, the headline from the Globe and Mail this morning suggests Canadians will find ultra cheap airfare this fall. So, Brett, I'm having personally a hard time wrapping my head around the likelihood of this. Christy Hudson of U.S. Public Relations for Expedia is quoted in this article as saying that prices often drop by 10% or more in the fall versus the peak summer travel season. Hudson says, quote, the savings are expected to be even richer, end quote, uh, talking about this fall. Marty Firestone has become one of our go-to guests on all things travel. Marty is president at Travel Secure. Good morning, Mr. Firestone. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for uh, reacting to our our very early morning request to join us this morning. Just a half an hour ago, we shared a story from Jennifer Johnson of Global News and the fact that the American government is ready to come down on U.S. airlines who can't serve the customers they are booking now. Does this flood of cheaper fares seem likely or even possible in your mind? Oh, I think it is for sure. And that has to do with so many of these low-budget airlines that are operating. I'm talking Canada now that are going to be out there, including a new one that's on the list, the Canadian Jetline. So the bottom line is there will be ample, ample opportunities for people to get low-priced airfares. The question will be, will they take advantage of it? Now let's pretend for a moment that this does come to fruition. Could, <clears throat> excuse me, could lower prices exacerbate the issues with changing, delayed, and cancelled flights? Yeah, interesting question. You know, I think 
everybody, including the terminals, the government, and maybe the airlines to a degree, were actually looking forward to a somewhat lull that was going to happen in that traditional period, which is, you know, back to school till holiday season, snowbird season, and Christmas comes, to get things back on their feet again, to get people trained that they were rushing into jobs. So, you know, if you get tons of people flying again because of this attractive airfare price, then you're really going to not have that rest that you may be needed at those three levels. And in fact, it may be continued mayhem when they thought that was going to get somewhat cleared up. Marty Firestone joins us. And Marty is the president at Travel Secure. And Travel Secure is an insurance company, travel insurance. And so the devil is often in the details with, with, with anything uh, that we purchase that, that has a page or more of text attached to it, Marty. One of the concerns being expressed uh, with regard to travel all around the world right now are customer rights. And if A happens, I'm entitled to this. If B happens, I'm entitled to that. How important is it that some of these rules, some of the compensation rules uh, become clearer for passengers when they are, when they're not only when they're booking, but in, when they are in the middle of a situation that has become all too common and that that might be a canceled delayed flight or a reroute or something like that yeah there seems to be a new catch-all phrase called a refund runaround because that's exactly what's happening now from the airline perspective and travelers are finding that monies they thought they would be entitled to for compensation or costs that they had to endure because of delays, cancellations, etc., are not being paid. So it is very frustrating. And in fact, insurance is about the one simple thing now that clearly states that if your flight is delayed, if your flight is canceled, you'll be entitled to X or Y. And at least you get it. Here, this is a gray area for many, and they really don't know what they're going to do if the airlines are going to compensate them at all or not. That's a big problem with people's decision to travel. Sorry, with if I purchase travel insurance and my flight is delayed, I can seek compensation through said insurance? Is that what I just no. understood? Yeah, so so not through the Canadian Transport Agency, not the $1,000 or the 400 or the 700 but if you incurred costs that you had to have and you bought trip cancellation slash interruption, there would be monies that you would be entitled to, but nothing to do with the compensation that the airlines through the Canadian Transport Agency are said they would offer if it was their fault. And that's the problem now. They're saying it's a safety issue. It's a this, it's a that, which is not their problem. Yeah, the, the excuses seem to be uh, almost endless, Marty, to, to get out of paying these compensations. We'll leave it there for now. You know we will be in touch about some other travel-related issues in the not-too-distant f- future, Marty. We appreciate your, your availability. Anytime. Thank you. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb in on Connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. We're asking you for a chance to win yourself some tickets for WWE Friday Night Smackdown about situations you got yourself into thanks to text messages, emails, social media posts. You meant to say one thing, people took it to mean another, or you genuinely typed the wrong thing and got yourself into all kinds of trouble. And we're getting lots of great stories on the text line, GMAC. One of our listeners says we often use our neighbor's cabin and sent a text asking if they had any condiments. And it came through as, do you have any condoms point? Embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) And Deborah says, I was arguing with my son a while back, 
and let him have a piece of my mind. Anyways, I was going through my messages and I saw Air Miles and my son's name together. So I checked it out and, uh, yeah, they got the message. No wonder they won't give me my Air Miles. (laughs) (laughs) And one of our listeners, Chris, said, so funny, I was listening to your piece on electronic social miscues and I was typing an email to a customer of mine named Devin. Spell check suggested devil. Oh, dear. (laughs) Thankfully, I caught that. I remember once I was um, going to my friend's uh, place, Kent and Eileen, and whenever I go over there, they always feed me a delicious meal. Uh, I should say Eileen, not they. Um, But, uh, you know, Kent was asking, Eileen's thinking about making this. Is that good? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I think it might have just been Sloppy Joe's. I'm like, I'm going to have like five plates. But I didn't type plates. I it it for what I don't know why it autocorrected to slaves. Oh gosh! I'm gonna have five slaves. Right? Yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need five slaves to help me eat all the sloppy joes. So like so that's another thing. Sometimes the autocorrect suggestions like in what context have I ever even typed this word? Why would you think I would want? to type that word instead of this one. Yeah, the the predictive texting, they need to go right back to the drawing board on this one because, yeah, the words that they suggest and the words that get squiggly or redlined as, as a spelling error, what word do you think I was trying to use versus the ones you typically autocorrect? It, it, come on. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is in for connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12. Our new question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. In the wake of a shortage of children's cold, pain, and fever medications, should pharmacies limit the amount parents can get to avoid panic buying? Cast your vote at cjob.com. It's a simple yes or no, and uh, we'll share those results with you throughout the morning. And before we introduce our next guest, a reminder that we've got tickets to give away for WWE Friday Night SmackDown. We're asking you about texting transgressions. What does Cliff say? With respect to texting, I have never wanted to use ducking as an adjective. And I would suggest... That Loren McNabb, if she were here with us this morning, might say, it isn't ducking. It wasn't ducking yesterday. It won't be ducking tomorrow. It never, ever is ducking. I'm gonna ha- I am gonna. I have got that clip of Loren flipping out about the what the duck. Uh, I'll dig that out, okay? I'll dig that out because I know I used it in a montage at some point. So, yeah, that's just that, that was vintage Loren McNabb. So, keep those texts coming at 204 780 6868 for a chance to win. We'll pick a winner at 9 15. And by the way, congrats to Nicholas Dobson, who won the tickets for Gulliver Returns, a family four pack for tickets and treats. Gulliver Returns, Landmark Cinemas. Congratulations to you, Nicholas. And a reminder that we've got bomber tickets to give away. We'll give those away at eight just after 8 35. Jim Toth is going to join us to talk sports. Just an insane finish at the World Juniors over the weekend. Team Canada winning gold. Now, this past Thursday and Friday, got to say, GMAC, two of the most fun days we've had at work in a while. 
for a couple of reasons. A, we actually got to work together in the same workspace. But B, we got to do so at a golf course with the PGA Tour Canada. It's one of Manitoba's premier golf locations, putting on one of the premier events on the PGA Tour Canada. And Thursday, of course, Brett didn't go as hoped at the Manitoba Open at Southwood Golf and Country Club after heavy rain washed out the day. But Friday was an absolutely beautiful day, and it was a beautiful weekend. Neil Taylor is the tournament chair for the Manitoba Open and joins us now live. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, guys. How are you today? We're doing very well. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. You know, after what was an incredibly busy uh, four days tournament-wise, and I can only imagine the amount of time that it took to prepare for this event, we hung out for a little while, a while after the show on Friday. And from what we were seeing, the weekend looked like it was off to a terrific start. How, how did it end up going? Well, first of all, thank you for coming out uh, last week. I'm glad you had fun. We had a, a great time having you guys there. It uh, went extremely well. We had a fabulous three days. The grounds crew, uh, I mean, as you know, you were out there. You saw the amount of water that was on the golf course. They worked for 36 straight hours without any of them going home, brought in all sorts of pumps, pumped uh, 1.7 million gallons of water off the golf course on uh, Thursday night. The course uh, came back, was in fabulous shape, and we had three tremendous uh, days of golf and weather so it was uh big crowds and had a wonderful time 1.7 million gallons of water so if you pumped it off of the course <laughs> where did where do you put it we're not sure no um <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, have very good uh large large ponds we pump to and then it pumps off the uh, course and uh uh Flows, uh, I believe it uh, ends up we in the uh, in the LaSalle at some point, but it uh, there's a very good drainage off the course, and uh, it cleared it away from all the playing areas. The officials did some wonderful work, and uh, the court, you know, it was really quite interesting because by the time you kind of got to mid afternoon on Friday, you know, I walked nine holes and my shoes were completely dry, which was quite remarkable considering what it was like the day before. I'm just looking at some video uh, from the social media and the, and the galleries looked really strong. Uh, do you have an idea of uh, what, what sort of crowds you had attendance uh, figures for us, Neil? You know, we're still counting the numbers, but um, you know, we have a couple of proxies for it. So we have a extremely large parking area on the golf course. We, uh, the, we actually have enough property for a third nine, which we have not built yet. So we have a, a large amount of parking, and uh, the main parking lot was full. The overflow parking lot was full, um, and the auxiliary overflow overflow parking lot was full. So we were thrilled with that. Uh, the stands, we have two had two very large structures around the 18th green. Those were full of people yesterday. Um, we had a big crowd following the leaders, and uh, of course our castle group party hall at 17 was very vibrant. There was a lot of people there, um, you know, with a chance to uh, get uh, discount refreshments with every birdie. So there was a lot of cheering and music going there. So we had, uh, you know, we had over 12 hours of golf yesterday with two rounds played uh, under that heat, and uh, we were full all day. 
So, and you mentioned that 17th hole, the Castle Mortgage Party Zone, with uh, several banks of bleachers to create kind of this mini stadium for a few hundred people around the green. Greg and I went and took a peek at that for about a half hour on Friday, and it was really neat with the DJ playing music and, as you mentioned, the beer sales right behind the stands. So how did that experiment go? Is that something that you'll look to, to recreate or perhaps expand upon next year? Yeah, I think we'd be in big trouble if we didn't recreate it. I mean, it was very, very popular. Um, we had a lot of members down there. We had, uh, you know, corporate uh, clients actually bust their employees down uh, so that they could participate in it. Um, the players loved it, too. Um, you know, they uh, to have an atmosphere like that, um, It you know, part of what this tour is about is to um, give them an opportunity to you know, start to taste professional golf and see what it's like playing in front of crowds and um, to also have the pressure of having, you know, cloud, uh, rambunctious people around and, and people cheering and uh, when you're making birdies. And so, uh, you know, we got more comments from the players about how much fun that was probably than anybody else. So that was it was really a wonderful thing. Neil Taylor is the tournament chair, Manitoba Open joining us and, Uh, We made a big deal of this uh, leading up to the tournament. Well, because it was a big deal, and that was the tie-in with the True North Youth Foundation, Neil. Of course, Mark Shifley participated in a couple of of the four rounds, and uh, obviously he was a little bit of a draw for a lot of folks. How much money ultimately did you end up raising for True North Youth Foundation? Well, we were thrilled um, with all of the charitable support that we had, the Pro-Am, the other things, the ticket sales, and we we're, you know, very happy. We were able to present a check for $115,000 to the True North Youth Foundation on the green. At the same time, we presented the trophy to our our new champions. So we were thrilled, thrilled to do that and support Project 11 and the great work that they do at Camp Manitou. Neil, you mentioned the Pro-Am, and uh, I'm not at all asking this question for selfish purposes, but uh, how does one get in... How does one participate and play in that pro-am? Um, it is open to anybody who wants to play in it. Um, you know, we uh, have teams available for sale. We have individual spots available for sale. So, uh, you know, some of our corporate sponsorship, it's um, built into their sponsorship. But we had a number of uh, organizations and individual people that, um, you know, purchased their own teams and spots. And they had a fabulous time. They had great weather on uh, Wednesday. You know, they got a chance to go out and play with a touring professional and um, who are always gracious and, you know, really uh, um, fun people to play with and actually see how the games really played well. So they had a terrific time. We had both the morning and afternoon shotgun. And uh, they had a, a wonderful time. So we welcome anybody who'd like to play in it next year. All right. Well, Neil, congratulations on a successful weekend. Thanks again for the hospitality and having CJOB and Power 97 on location. We all had a great time and looking forward to next year. Yes, and uh, thank you very much for all the, uh, all the time that you spent out there. You added a tremendous amount to it, and we appreciate it very much. Neil Taylor, the tournament chair for the Manitoba Open, joining us live on 680 CJOB. And yeah, I had a couple of buddies ask, like, why, why didn't you guys play in the Pro-Am? And I said, I don't know. Maybe it's because our sales manager, Steve, has seen Greg and I golf. 
And uh, didn't want to subject Southwood to that. I don't know. That would be a safe bet uh, if if there weren't other factors involved that should have been at the top of the list, McGarry. He mentioned the pressure as well. And that's a, you know, I, I, I wondered, like, as we were, it, it wasn't like there were 100 people. There were just 10, 15 people standing around that uh, first tee. But as we were standing there watching these guys try to focus and zone in on their tee shots, I, I wondered, like, how are we distracting? Because I feel that pressure like I was just at La Brokery on Saturday and their ninth hole is now their signature hole. It's just lovely little par three. And um, we had just finished purchasing some drinks. The beverage cart server was there. And then the guys from the next group had pulled up. And so it's a little thing where you hit over water. And I just suddenly felt all this pressure. It's like all these eyes are on me. And what did I do? I just doofed my ball straight into the water. I threw another one down to try to go for it again. And I hit that ball about 10 feet. And I threw my club on the ground. And I'm like, ah, I can't do this. I'm a basket case. I can't handle the pressure, Greg. <laughs> hey, man, I'm happy that you can't handle the pressure. Otherwise, you would be on the CPGA tour. You wouldn't be here with me in the morning. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, my game I would describe as mediocre at best the key words there at best shared health sent a notice out friday that they were anticipating longer wait times for lower acuity patients at health sciences center's emergency department over the weekend yeah the notice said in part brett hsc winnipeg is projecting staffing challenges with its adult emergency department this weekend work is underway to mitigate these issues in a variety of ways including but not limited to call outs to regular and part-time staff as well as the casual pool approaching on shift staff to work overtime and reassignment of critical care nurses when possible to assist in the ED. Manitoba's largest trauma care centre was working to alleviate staffing issues by asking more workers to come in, approaching staff to work, as Greg mentioned, to work overtime. And Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union, who joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Darlene, good morning. Good morning. So we're seeing announcements and situations like this across the country. So at what point does this simply become so common that it becomes standard operating procedure? Well, I think we're, we're pretty well at that point with many of our facilities in Manitoba right now. Most, of, most nurses that I talk to from everywhere across Manitoba tell me that they are working below baseline staffing prior to covid all the time there is there's never a time where they're at baseline so we are seeing a critical nursing shortage that seems to be getting worse i i keep hearing from nurses saying uh, you know four more nurses are leaving hsc emergency uh in the next month and uh it's just uh, it's heartbreaking to hear uh, Darlene, last week we had a conversation on this program about overtime, forced overtime, the use of agency nurses, and much of the feedback we received was very sympathetic to the plight of the system and, and nurses' workload. And, and clearly there are, are challenges. There are people, though, at the same time decided that, that this is not for them any longer. Uh, much of the feedback received was you know sympathetic to the plight of these nurses and the system. Uh, others suggested this is the system and profession you chose over time unusual work hours are what you signed up for what would your response be to that point of view 
Well, uh, my response is that no nurse signs up to be mandated every shift that they go to work for a double shift. That's, that's not what, uh, what nurses sign up for. Nurses sign up because they are compassionate, caring individuals who want to provide uh, care to patients. Uh, you know, I've, I've often heard it said, you know, when a nurse gets, you know, assaulted or punched at work, well, that's part of your job. It is not part of our job, just like mandated overtime and uh, the amount of shifts that nurses are doing in a row is, uh, is, is not part of our job. And how long is a double shift, by the way? Like, is it an eight-hour shift times two, or is it 12 hours? What's the, what's the length of that shift? Well, our, our collective agreement, uh, we have wording in our collective agreement from the last round of bargaining that says the employer can't force a nurse to work more than 16 hours. However, if a nurse mutually agrees, um, they can work longer. So I know we still have 24-hour shifts in this province. Uh, especially in small facilities where, you know, I'm the only nurse on duty and the other nurse phones in sick or they haven't covered a vacancy, I can't go home and leave patients. So we do have many nurses out beyond the perimeter who are doing 24-hour shifts just because it's the only way to keep their patients safe. I'm looking at the wait times right now, Grace Hospital and Health Sciences Centre on the website saying seven-and-a-half-hour wait times uh, to see a doctor or physician in the emergency department, three hours at Children's Hospital, that's not bad, 4.75 hours at St. Boniface Hospital, and then the urgent care centres range from three and a half hours at Seven Oaks to five and a half hours at Victoria Hospital. Could, th- could this all get worse before it gets better, Darlene? Well, it is. Uh, I believe it is going to get worse because... Uh, We have uh, many, many nurses who are just on the cusp or at retirement age who are making the choice to retire. So the average age of nurses in this province is 47.4 years of age, which means we have many more nurses who are at the end of their career rather than beginning their career. So at this point, I don't see any option but that it's, it's going to escalate until until this government and these employers, you know, really look at how we retain nurses in this uh, province. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Darlene, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12 we got bomber tickets to give away at the end of this segment for Thursday's game against Calgary. We're going to talk to Jim Toth about sports in a moment, and we got to read this text message about text mistakes that can get you in trouble. First question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. In the wake of a shortage of children's cold, pain, and fever medications, should pharmacies limit the amount parents can get to avoid panic buying? 86% say yes, 14% say no. Cast your vote, cjob.com. Also, as mentioned, we're talking about, you know, caption Like, this whole, st- it all started because you posted about your dog. I'm going to put you down, Whiskey. Yeah, whiskey was on my lap, and I said, "Oh, Jackie, take take my picture with uh, with my boy here." I put it on Instagram, and and so when I'm reviewing it, I'm looking at, "Oh boy, he looks like he wants to get off my lap and get out of here." So I said, "Yeah, I'm going to put you down, whiskey." 
<laughs> well, no, no, no. <laughs> that means something else potentially for uh, dogs and, and humans and in terms of the end of their life, etc. So some people were concerned that, that Whiskey's uh, days were, were over. No, Whiskey is fine. He's more than okay. And so that got us talking about how simple phrasing or just one letter or one word in the wrong place can really lead to mass confusion. And one of our listeners talking about how sending an email to the wrong person could be a disaster as well, Brett. My wife was in an email conversation with her her coordinator her wor- uh, with work and her boss, my wife, in her reply email, which she thought was only going to her work coordinator, called her boss every bad word under the sun and wrote paragraphs about how incompetent her boss was. She didn't hear back from her coordinator who usually replied to her emails within minutes. When she checked her sent box, it turned out that she sent the email to her boss and not her confidant slash work coordinator. Oh, my God. Oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine the stress? Oh. There, uh, just very quickly before we bring on Jim to talk about sports, I'm not going to identify who this person is, but I've been here now for 18 years, and I think in my second year, my third year, our promotions director then, who is now once again our promotions director, Colin, making his way back to Chorus after several years away, just sent out an email saying, hey, I've got tickets for this if anybody wants. And this guy replies, clearly he meant to reply only to our promo director, but he replied to everybody and he said, hook me up. And uh, he used a a rather inappropriate word (laughs) followed by an immediate follow-up reply saying, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, so sorry. I, 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 if I'm please, if I offended anybody, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And, uh, and then the general manager in the building weighed in and said, please be careful to not reply all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> reply yeah. all is a is a tool that is worthy of use at certain times, and it's frustrating when people don't use it when they ought to, but I understand why people are afraid of it. Yeah, so 204-780-6868. We got tickets for WWE Friday night SmackDown to give away based on the winning text 915. We will pick a winner. Now, plenty to discuss in the world of sports from an injury to the player who was to this point the CFL's most outstanding performer to the Blue Bombers getting ready for another big meeting with the Calgary Stampeders and are there any changes coming to the Winnipeg Jets before training camp opens? Yeah, and of course, Canada's dramatic overtime victory at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Let's welcome Jim Toth to the program. Greetings and salutations Jim? Greetings, salutations, gentlemen. And this is making me laugh because about a week ago, a buddy of mine was trying to go golfing with me. And I mentioned that, well, I texted him and said, uh, my partner's asleep. I will nail down a time in the morning. And I missed a word there. And he replied, why would I care what you're going to, when you're going to do that? And I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, I meant... I meant the time in the morning. I'm so sorry. And he's like, and he, we were laughing about it, but I was like, I can't believe I texted that. Like <laughs> I was scheduling something that I shouldn't be telling anybody. Anyways, I wasn't, I was just trying mm-hmm. to get a golf time. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it's uh it's an interesting sports weekend for sure. Gentlemen. Uh, and none bigger than that loss of Nathan Rourke, not only to the BC lions, they'll feel it the most, but to the CFL, it's just a huge loss for a player who I think a lot of fans were cheering for, unless they were playing your team, including here in Winnipeg. He's a Canadian. He's from Victoria, BC. He played a year, I think, or two of high school football in the States and then some college football and came back up. And uh, really, it's a twofold. It's a loss for the league. He's an extremely talented individual. As you guys were mentioning, he's probably the MOP of the, of the league this year. 
uh, if he continued. Although he did have a poor game in the game he got injured, and, and it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I would have loved to seen how teams get some film on him and how they play him, including how well the Bombers played him that first time that they beat the BC Lions. But it's a loss for the CFL. It's a loss for the BC Lions. And it's also a loss not only do they not have his services, but I think the BC Lions are pretty tight to the cap. So even if they made a trade for a quarterback or brought one in, they don't have a lot of room to wiggle here. Um, so it's just uh, it was disappointing uh, to see Nathan Rourke go down. Hopefully he's back by the end of the season, but I, I, I have my doubts that that injury can, can recoup that long. So uh, bad news for the BC Lions, bad news for the CFL, and then the, the playing field gets a little bit more even in the West as well. Now, you mentioned, as uh, Greg pointed out, the, uh, the the dramatic finish at the hockey. We're going to get to that in a moment. But um, the Blue Bombers back at it yesterday. Is there good timing for a loss in any sport? Yeah, well, you know what? I don't know because some people say, you know, get it out of their system. I do I do believe in there's some credence to the fact that whether they had a bye coming off their first loss of the season or not, that all the undefeated talk goes away. And Mike O'Shea and his crew did an exceptional job of keeping his team focused on the day-to-day, the week-to-week, not getting too far ahead of themselves. We hear it all the time when they were 7-0, and 8-0. and Well, no, we're 1-0 and for this week, and now we got to try and go 1-0 and the next week. But that being said, as great of a job as they do, it would be extremely hard to the historic start the Bombers were on if they were undefeated to keep going forward and not focus on the idea of being undefeated. Uh, They had a loss. They didn't play well. I think they they didn't play well for a number of reasons. I want to give the the Montreal defense a lot of credit in that loss before the bye, but I also want to say that I thought the Bombers had had run the course. They had been stacking up some wins under some pretty trying circumstances with travel and injuries and everything else. So it's one of those things that I think they had a loss. I don't think they're too defeated going into the off week, and then they come back, they refocus, they're refreshed, they're rested and maybe more healthy, and now they can just go forward with focusing on being 1-0 and again. Can they go 17-1? and I think they can, but they have some tough tests coming up starting on Thursday with Calgary. Two more games against those BC Lions, although they won't be as dangerous, but they're still a very good team without Nathan Rourke down the stretch. But, you know, I think the, the Bombers having a loss, that there's things you learn from that. There's things that you can get under control. There's things that when, when it comes up again, when you're playing in the same fashion you were against Montreal, maybe four weeks from now, that you remember that and say, here's what we're going to do different. So I, I'm, not, I'm one of those people that you never want to lose a game, but if you do, there are certain times where you can learn and move forward and actually grow from it. And I think this is one of the times for the Bombers. I think they'll be fine. Let's uh, move from the gridiron to the, uh, to the ice and we don't need to discuss, uh, Jim, the, the reasons that uh, a lot of people, if not most people, weren't watching the World Juniors over the past couple of weeks. But I suspect hundreds of thousands of Canadians did see the championship game versus Finland on Saturday night. Very exciting finish. It was a very exciting finish. And you know what? In a lot of ways, Greg, for, for reasons about the scandal with Hockey Canada, but also with the timing that it's in the middle of the summer, I think that affected it too. I think it got people talking. I think the fact that it was such a quality final and it was such good hockey actually helped put a sort of bow tie on, on what was a disastrous event for Hockey Canada. Nobody showed up to this. I don't know a lot of people that were paying attention to the round robin games. I did a, a segment on my show where I'm not trying to defend Hockey Canada. I still think they need to make some major changes and, and, and apologize for a lot of the scandal that's going on. But I was watching some of those games this past two weeks and thinking, well, this team didn't do anything wrong. And this team, you know, has a bunch of players and coaches that this is their dream. They finally got to a World Junior roster and made it. 
and nobody's watching them and nobody's really cared. And, and a lot of people are upset with the brand of Hockey Canada. So to have a final like that for the Canadian kids to pull it out and the coaching staff and Mason McTavish just went into legendary category. I, I think of Jordan Eberle tying a game against Russia with just seconds to go on a feed from John Tavares and how Nike made a commercial out of it. Well, Mason McTavish has just probably been uh, a commercialized and legendary status with what he did with that save. And a minute later in overtime, they get the the win. He was with the tournament's leading scorer. He's a tournament MVP. But that play alone, that play alone to keep Canada from losing a gold medal on Canadian soil and then helping them win, there were some positives that came out of that. I'm going to break it down a bit with Derek Van Dies of Edmonton today on my show. But, um, you know, they needed this. Now, that doesn't rectify anything. It doesn't make anything different for, for why people didn't show up, and I don't think it should. But when you're just talking the on-ice product, I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better final in, in the last 20, 30 World Junior tournaments than that one. And for those who missed that play, it was it was remarkable. They the the they got a puck over the Canadian goalie McTavish, batted it out of the air at the goal line, and it almost crossed the line. But uh, that was that was a should have been a goal, but he made the save. And as you pointed out, Toth legendary for sure. Just very well, quickly, I, I mentioned the sorry to interrupt, but I, I mentioned that Jordan Eberle commercial. I don't know if anybody remembers, but there were seconds left. They were down to Russia. There was like how many four five or five four three. And he went to the net and got a goal to tie it with no time left on the clock. And then Nike made a commercial about several hockey players talking they don't believe in destiny. And Jordan Eberle watches his own highlight and turns to the camera and he says, with seconds left, destiny panics. And, and, and I just thought of that. Like Mason McTavish not only knocked the puck out of the air, but once it hit the ice, he didn't panic and start swinging rapidly to keep it out or anything. He kept his cool. He got his stick on it, tried to move it, couldn't, tried it again, and did. I mean, in that moment, in that sort of situation, to not panic and collectively not only knock a puck down, but then not panic and clear it out of the way as well, it's an unbelievable, incredible play. Jim Toth, we will have to leave it there, but we know you'll have more on Jets at Noon with Cameron Pointers and then, of course, your own show from 1 until 3 on 680 CJOB. Always a pleasure, Mr. Toth. Thank you. I I panic every day on the show, but I believe in destiny, so that's why. Thanks, gentlemen. (laughs) Have a great week. Hey, it just means you care, Jim. just means you care. If you're not nervous or you're not panicking, I think there's a problem with that. I'm uh, in a constant state of anxiety, actually, as a matter of fact, and I think it kind of makes me not half bad at my job, but... That's about as as high praise as it'll go. I'm I'm reading a text that Loren would love. I hope Loren's listening right now. We're asking, I'll get you the forecast in a moment, but uh, we're asking about texting misfires. And Donna G just sent this one saying, this is a text exchange I saved from 2016 because it was too funny. My husband was riding home with his hunting buddies. Uh, So Donna says, nice. Are you driving home yet? Yep. Just passed megawatts. (laughs) Where, where's that? That's me pause. Me pause. What? Sorry, my phone won't let me spell knee pa wa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to trying to do the right thing, the voice to text. <laughs> me pa's not in the voice to text. <laughs> uh, I wonder if Minidosa is. Sunny to start today, then a mix of sun and cloud this afternoon with a chance of showers and a risk of a thunderstorm late this afternoon. And a high of 28, partly cloudy tonight. 
Chance of showers early and a risk of a thunderstorm, but then clearing later with fog overnight, low 15. Mix of sun and cloud tomorrow, good showers and a risk of a thunderstorm, the high 25. Wednesday, sunny and 23. It is 20 outside 680 CJOB. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. And uh, we have, based on your texts, on texts, we're going to pick a winner at 9.15 for tickets for WWE Friday Night Smackdown, September 30th, Canada Life Centre. But this Thursday, August 25th, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers take on the Calgary Stampeders. We gave away tickets for that just before Global News at 9 o'clock. And we asked you, you said, at least call a number four, but you also had to know the score, which was a 2017 loss to Montreal. Fortier, who won those tickets? Well, give me one second here. And I gave you 30 seconds. I'm like, we also gave away bomber tickets. I know. I'm sorry. I have to use a different program. I have to email because our program is down. Okay. So that winner is... Where is it? Where is it? All right. We'll get back to it. It's Darren. Darren Sandberg. Darren Sandberg. Congratulations, Darren. You win the bomber ticket. All right. If you are a fan of our next guest, it may be difficult to keep up with which book is on the bestsellers list, which book is winning an award, which one is causing controversy, or which one is being launched. He is that busy. Yeah, writing for a living is a tough slog, but I think our good friend, award-winning, best-selling author David A. Robertson just might have it figured out. Good morning, David. Oh, he's coming in. There we go. It's coming in hot. Hi, David. How are you? Hey guys, how's it going? Doing really, really well. Good to catch up with you. Been following your exploits on the social media, and one thing jumped out for you. We'll we'll talk about that in a moment. But official launch of a new book this week. We will get to that in a moment as well. But you recently quit your day job to become a full time writer. We've been having you on this program for going on five years now. I didn't know you had a you had a day job and writing was your side hustle. Please explain. <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it's, it's, it was a little busy there for a long time. Um, it's just juggling, you know. I have five kids, so for a while there, writing wasn't enough to pl- pay for you know all the hockey and all the other stuff you need to pay for. But um, no, I think like as the time time's gone by, I've been lucky enough to have um, a growing audience of readers who have uh, really supported me, and um, so I've been able to uh, to make the switch. But I did have a great job before, like working for a really good organization, the Manitoba First Nations Education Resource Center. Um, so it's tough to leave there. But, um, yeah, I definitely um, needed, the, needed the move. It was uh, really a fulfillment of, like, a lifelong goal. So um, here I am. You were recently sharing on Twitter, David, some of your late father's views on education and some of the things that he thought were important. Would you care to share a couple of those thoughts with us this morning? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that as much as I've I've left that organization, that education is always a focus of mine. Um, as you guys know, like in my books too, it's something that I always keep in mind when I write a story is what what's teachable. Um, and my dad was a big role model for me, uh, and a, really a, a giant in, in in Indigenous education in Manitoba and Canada. And um, and one of the things that you know later in life that he he stressed over and over again was making sure that um, we are involving families and communities, um, parents in the, um, you know, in, in the, in the child's educational experience uh, so that they have a voice um, so that we promote their advocacy so that we build relationships of trust um, because, you know, with the history we have in Canada, 
um, those relationships um, can be tenuous. And so um, that was a big focus of his. And so I was looking through his notebook the other day, um, mostly just because I'd missed him and, uh, and saw some of these thoughts he'd written down. And I, I figured that I should share them because, um, you know, he's not around to do that anymore. Talk about, talk about that, uh, missing your mentor. I know whenever I'm in my, well, Jackie calls it my disaster of a garage, but it's a pseudo workshop. And, you know, when I'm doing woodwork or if I'm doing something that I, that normally in the past I might have consulted with my grandfather about, it it, it makes it uh, inspiring but also difficult at times. How are you do, dealing with all that? And, and talk about what it's like to sort of be able to, in your own way, keep your dad's memory alive on that front, David. Well, I think over the years, I mean, I don't think it'll ever, you know, you never stop missing him. Um, but as, as the years have gone by now, it's been, I guess, over two years now, um, I found ways to definitely um, keep him close. And when I miss him to, um, to just to visit him in some way, whether it's listening to recordings of conversations that we've had together or watching videos that we were, you know, at my, at my old work that, you know, apropos, we just were talking about. Um, that we've recorded of him, um, and he left behind a few notebooks that he, he gave me um, that I could read through. And so, um, you know, that's a way to keep him close. And, and you know, in writing on the trap line, uh, which is my picture book, uh, and Blackwater, um, you know, uh, revisiting those books too. Um, you know, when I read them, I see something new in them. Um, you know, it's something that he told me or some teaching that he, that he gifted me with. Uh, and so those are ways that I, I can definitely, you know, keep them close to me. You know, you never get someone back, but um, they can stay with you in different ways. So the, the Stone Child, the third in a series, can you tell us, well, tell us what you can, I guess, about the series and this latest edition. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, when it first uh, was, a, was, this, was a thing, the Mistawa Saga, which is a series that the Stone Child is a part of, um, it, I, it, was a, it was a series I pitched to Penguin, and I pitched it as a trilogy. So um, the Stone Child was the cap of the trilogy, and so uh, and since then, uh, because the Barren Grounds went bonkers, um, you know, again thanks to so many amazing Canadian teachers and, and readers, um, we decided to extend the series, and now it'll be at least six books. But um, I still looked at this as a trilogy, an initial trilogy, and so. Um, you know, one of the influences I had actually was beyond just Narnia and like indigenous star stories was how really good trilogies did it. And um, I know you guys, I think one of you are, is on the couch potatoes. And so, you know, a lot about trilogies and movies, but like um, I, I thought a lot about Star Wars, the initial Star Wars trilogy and how well that arc was was shaped. And I just wanted to um, write a really good character arc. Um, for the main character of Morgan in the series, which is one of the foster kids who find this portal into this other world. And, um, and so this is just really the cap of her journey where it kind of is a payoff for readers who've stuck with the series um, and trying to do things the, the right way, the right kind of callbacks, and just end things with a satisfying resolution while also leaving it open for new adventures in this world called um, Misawa. So, no, it's really exciting, and I'm, I'm really proud of the book. And I think, I think so far readers have, have uh, received it really well, uh, which is also, you know, a little bit of a, it's, it's nice, and also you can, you can take a little bit of a sigh of relief too. 
<laughs> well, the official launch is this week. Uh, 25 seconds to uh, give us the details, David. Yeah, so it's just uh, this uh, this uh, Wednesday uh, at 7 o'clock p.m. at McNally Robinson Booksellers. Um, it is also available to watch online if you aren't comfortable being there in person. Uh, but safety protocols will all be in place. And also online and in person, there will be a really wicked giveaway um, so if you go there, you'll find out if you register to watch online, you'll find out, but we're going to have with penguin, uh, give, uh, audience members, uh, one, one or two lucky ones, uh, pretty, pretty great gifts. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So hope you come out and, um, and celebrate the launch with me. David A. Robertson, thank you very much. Congratulations on all your success. And just another quick Star Wars note, if you haven't watched the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons or the Rebels cartoons, I've recently finished the Clone Wars and I'm now watching Rebels because, nerd, uh, I highly recommend them if you're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> That's on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> nice. Okay? Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. David A. Robertson, best-selling author, joining us live on 680 CJOB, talking about The Stone Child, launching at McNally Robinson. Mackling and McGarry McNabb's Unconnecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 about text mishaps, text misfires, email misfires, or things you put on social media where you're saying one thing and people think you're saying another. And sometimes it's just misinterpreting the message. Sometimes it's a genuine, oops, that's a typo. And uh, a simple typo can (laughs) cause all kinds of problems. And of course it can cause problems for us trying to share these stories, but I think we can get around some of these rather delicately (laughs) such as, uh, cause look, this is relatable. This is relatable stuff. We can all walk ourselves into these fires. Um, just by making a simple spelling mistake, like Herb, for example. Herb says, uh, never mind autocorrect. I need to proofread several times on my emails that I never miss a letter when typing the word count. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But uh, Vicky, Vicky's our winner, yes? I think we made this call earlier this morning. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And Vicky wasn't even sure if she should send it in, whether it was radio-friendly. I think you've devised a way in order to uh, share this story without it losing its impact. Fair to say, McGarry? Indeed. We uh, were going to try to tell this in a Seinfeldian way because they always got around sensitive subjects without being offensive. Vicky says, years ago... At a job interview for a position at a nursery school, I bragged to my future boss that I never get sick and had not needed a day off due to illness in many years. I started the job that fall at the start of the new school year, and sure enough, that winter, strep throat was going around, and one morning I woke up with an extremely sore throat. So I texted my boss very early that morning and told her that I wasn't going to make it to work that day. I was going to be taking a sick day. But in that word sick, the letter S was not the letter S. It was, shall we say, the fourth letter of the alphabet? Well, it took her a little while to respond, so I read my text, and to my horror, I noticed my mistake. Luckily, she took the announcement of my sick day well. Her response, well, we all have those days. (laughs) Of course, I never lived that little slip down. And over the years, if I ever had to text in to take a sick day, I always got a comical response back. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, amazing story, Vicky. And she says, oh, 
Ooh, I immediately had sender's regret thinking that story was totally offensive or I crossed the line. Vicky, we are almost impossible to offend, and we both very much enjoyed that with a mighty laugh. So, Vicky, thank you for the story. Congrats. You're going to SmackDown. Very, very good. Enjoy the show.